What's up, everybody? Hold on. Coming to you live from what looks like a proof of life video. Let me turn this volume down a little bit. Got a little bit of an OG, OG show here today for you guys. Let me get this going. I got the chat up. Different look, different feel today. Um, coming to you from kind of the remote studio. This is episode number 296 of the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier, and over the next 45 minutes, me, you, Jenny Housley, Kimberly Can Fix It, Gary Sturdy Otis, and Harish Lego Sec, and the whole gang are going to be going through the top cybersecurity news stories of the day, and I'll be giving you my expert analysis and opinion on each of those stories while also producing and hosting um, <laughs> the show, which is going to be kind of bananas. Um, so if you're going to get value out of the show, if you are a practitioner, because we're going to go through what you can do um, next week to uh, deliver risk-reducing value to your organization, or if you're looking to break into the industry, terminology, um, just networking and understanding the macro picture of the cybersecurity industry is going to go huge for you on uh, the interviews. So let's definitely get all all up in that. I know uh, I just want to say shout out to uh, the kind of the old school throwback show format. I know a lot of people have been missing the modem dial-up, uh, but you know when we're remote, we've got to. Uh, you know, even if it's like 65% of the show, it's still the show. So we're going to go. That's right, Tony Roy, OG stream. I'm going to do Boz in here. So uh, I do want to say shout out and thanks to the stream sponsors. Let me give uh, one second. Forgot about my sponsors. All right. This is my remote setup, too, so I can do interviews at cons and stuff. All right, come on. Load. Come on, barricade cyber. Of course, guys, as I go live, um, <laughs> as I go live, the, um, the Discord's like, oh, you have 15 uh, updates that we need to put, put in place right now. All right, so Barricade Cyber Solutions is my uh, one of my sponsors. Sponsor I'm going to be mentioning today. For some reason, I can't load this. Uh, there we go. Hopefully you guys see it. Barricade Cyber Solutions, uh, I don't have my read in front of me, so just know that Guys, Barricade Cyber Solutions helps reduce uh, or like helps address um, businesses' worst days, right? So if you're a business and you don't have a plan for when a an, an, um, sophisticated threat actor or even some type of script kitty with access to malware as a service slaps you in the face, your business goes down, people screaming in the streets, papers flying everywhere, it looks like a music montage from like an 80s movie. You probably should contact Barricade Cyber before that happens. Do your best. Get it, get in front of it. You can see here at Barricade Cyber that they actually have a um, Eric Taylor's calendar right here on stream. And you can basically say, um, Eric, I'd like to meet with you at, you know, this Monday, February 6th at this time, 11 a.m. And he'll be on the phone with you. Guys, right now, I can tell you for a fact, right? This isn't hyperbo hyperbole. This is a fact. Right now, ransomware is like, I almost feel like it's in the death throes where ransomware is starting to trend downward. And the ransomware threat actors are trying to, like, get their final gots. Um, there's been a massive uptick in activity. Um, you know, Eric Taylor was supposed to uh, host this stream this morning. And I'm telling you. Work is very busy right now, okay? A lot of business email compromise going on, so be mindful of that. Long story short, thank you to Barricade Cyber, and, um, you know, Eric, continue to fight the good fight. What's up, Stacy Loki? Good to see you. Um, 
Also, every episode of the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is worth half a CPE. Check your certification body's policies uh, to confirm that. But I looked at ISC Squared and ISAC. I feel like it totally qualifies. Uh, be sure to say what's up in chat, hashtag Team Live. If you're an OG who knows this old school format, uh, give a shout out to that. Um, we do have a lot of OGs up in here. Um, Oh, thanks, Greg Dustuff. Glad you got up at 4.30, man. Left Coast is tough. It's tough, but it's great to have you here. Get to catch the old old school format. Um, if you're if you're live, team live, love it. 84 of you here right now. We're going to get into the news. Uh, hopefully you guys can hear the audio. You guys know I have audio issues like for days. Um, and if you're watching on replay, I hope you enjoy the old school format. We are going to have the outro at the end as well of the old school format. But um, yeah. Team replay in chat and we'll see what's going on. I hope you guys are all pumped up for Friday. We've got Grayson's joke of the day on Friday as well. So that's <laughs> that's a pretty good one that he, he uh, that we've come up with today. So sit back, relax. We're going to try to do the news. Um, Hold on a second. You guys got to remember, like I'm working off a laptop with one display. Usually in the studio, I've got like three monitors and, and I can do all sorts of stuff, but I've got an 11 inch monitor right now. So there's a lot of stacking of things. All right, let's, let's, um, let's do this really quickly. Um, yeah, no, come on. Let's, what are we doing here? Add this to this. Yeah. Okay. Oh, oh it's already in there. Do, do, do. All right, let's hope for um, <clears throat> let's hope you can hear the audio, guys. Ready? Uh, mods, Stacy, Kimberly, let, let me know if you can hear it. Here it comes. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. It's Friday, February 3rd, 2020. All right, can you guys hear that? I paused it really quick. I paused it really quick. Can you guys hear it? Um, when I play it, uh, I'm going to take a sip of coffee while I wait for that. Holler at me if you could hear the, um, the podcast, because otherwise I'm going to come up with some type of janky workaround solution. Oh, cool. Thanks, Kimberly. All right, guys. All right, let's, let's do this. Let me know if the volume's too low City or too high. On high alert after a ransomware attack. A suspected ransomware attack on a key supplier of trading software to the City of London this week appears to have disrupted activity in the derivatives market. A company called Iron Clear Derivatives released a brief statement on Tuesday saying that it had experienced a, quote, cybersecurity event, end quote, on that day which affected some of its services. Reports suggest that 42 clients were impacted by the attack on the provider whose software plays a key role in derivatives trading around the world, creating something of a butterfly effect. The ransomware has been linked to the prolific Lockbit Group, which recently also caused major disruption mm -hmm. to the country's mail service, Royal Mail. Watchdog warns that FDI... Oh, all right. Hey, guess what? <laughs> the, the never use play fast forward buttons on the keyboard works, I guess, with Spotify. So we're going to roll with that. All right. Um, so this is interesting. This sounds like the um, the plot to uh, like a new Mission Impossible movie or some type of like one off um, Kingsman type movie where a derivative software trading company got hacked. Um, it was Lockbit. So Lockbit is very prolific right now. But Lockbit is also ransomware as a service model. So um, they're kind of 
decentralized in the sense that it could have been just some like trader, uh, like T-R-A-D-E-R trader uh, in this company or, you know what I mean? Like someone who was like down on their luck or had a gambling problem and abused their own insider access in order to uh, drop this malware. Just so you guys know, like you should definitely Google Lockbit ransomware um, because be, like it is not really one group pushing all this stuff. It's one group pushing ransomware to affiliates who who basically push it. So um, it's not good. A software trading company getting ransomware, they're just going for the, 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 the money. I don't have my soundboard, Kimberly, so straight cash, homie. I will do. I guess I'll be doing the sound effects manually today. Um, I'm happy actually like that. This is just a ransomware attack. Honestly, it's a little scary to think, um, of a threat actor getting into a company that handles the software for software trading, um, high, you know, high derivatives and stuff like that, get in there and actually start manipulating, doing like a little bit of a salami attack. If you want to go old school, I think the salami attack is still on like security plus and SISP exams, but, um, it's kind of the plot to the movie entrapment with, uh, Sean Connery and, Catherine Zeta Jones, where like they're basically taking like a fraction of a penny each transaction and moving it to some type of offshore account. Um, that's a little scary. Ransomware. We know ransomware. We we plan for ransomware. We understand cyber resiliency. Hopefully this doesn't uh, affect them too long. Um, as much as there is a downtick in ransomware incidents and activity, we're still very much in the in the heat of it right now uh with serious impact coming from these type of attacks he fails to test banks cyber defenses effectively the federal deposit insurance corporation fdic is not doing enough to monitor cyber risk effectively at the financial institutions it regulates this according to a federal government watchdog in Wasn't a this a story yesterday? Wednesday, the FDIC's Office of Inspector General identified major deficiencies in the agency's IT and cyber risk assessment program, which is known as Intrex. In its report, the organization's watchdog found that information used in Intrex was outdated and that in some cases agency examiners were not completing tests. In addition, the study found that staff were not being kept abreast of the latest cyber threat updates and that no training for examiners was offered to reinforce Intrex procedures. According to the Office of Inspector General, unclear procedures have also led to Intrex examiners failing to file exam work papers properly. Foreign okay, hold on. Already used this story was in yesterday's show, right? Like, am I am I missing something? This was in yesterday's show, guys, right? So, I'm not going to recover this particular story. It's a it's an independent U.S. government agency, and they're behind. Like, whoa, surprise! I mean, underfunded. Tone at the top is probably tone deaf towards information security. They haven't suffered a major breach, so they're not getting that push from above. So, like. Whatever. I'm not going to rehash this story. We already beat this one to death. What's up, Will Reed? Good to see you, man. I feel like it's been a minute. Chat GPT maliciously, UK IT leaders believe. Most UK IT leaders believe that foreign states are already using the Chat GPT chatbot for malicious purposes against other nations. This is according to a new study from BlackBerry, which surveyed 500 UK IT decision makers, revealing that while 60% of respondents see ChatGPT as generally being used for good purposes, 72% are concerned by its potential to be used for malicious purposes when it comes to cybersecurity. In fact, almost half, 48%, predicted that a successful cyber attack will be credited to the technology within the next 12 months. The findings... 
Oh, oh, recent research which showed how attackers can use ChatGPT to significantly enhance phishing and business email compromise scams. Yeah. Oh, oh, ah, crap balls. Hold on. I hit the wrong button on. <laughs> Hold on. I hit the wrong button. Give me a second. I'm going to have Seriously, to like find it. These flaws can potentially lead to information disclosure or triggers have also led to Intrex examiners failing to find that a success. I accidentally Most hit UK the IG jump back button. believe that foreign states are already using the chat GPT chatbot for malicious purposes against other nations. This is according to a new study Grant from BlackBerry, some grace, which surveyed people. 500 UK IT decision makers, revealing that while 60% of respondents see ChatGPT as generally being used for good purposes, 72% are concerned by its potential to be used for malicious purposes when it comes to cybersecurity. In fact, almost half, 48%, predicted that a successful cyber attack will be credited to the technology within the next 12 months. The findings follow recent research which showed how attackers can use ChatGPT to significantly enhance phishing and business email compromise scams. All right, thank you for granting me that grace, people. Like, it is what it is. Um, I don't even have, guys, I don't even have, like, the true chat where I can't even, I can't see, like, the HAL 1000 uh, emotes and stuff like that. This is, this is a little rough. What do you guys think? Should I get rid of the, uh, should I get rid of the overlay? I feel like the overlay, like, is cool, but it's also, like, it's kind of, it's kind of, like, distracting as well. Right? I don't know. What do you guys think? You think I'm just making too much of it? This is kind of, this kind of works, right? Now it's a little transparent. I don't know. Let me know. Okay, guys, so here's the, the story here. As if, like, this is, as if this was going to be any surprise to anybody, ChatGPT being used, being weaponized. Dude, this thing is so powerful. I actually made a comment yesterday off the cuff to my Citadel class, and I, I, I love what you guys think, okay? Um, and I feel like the get your tinfoil hat emotes out, like, I feel like maybe this is hyperbolic, but I, I kind of, like, as a hot take, I feel this is a, a thing. Like, there was the Bronze Age, there was the, you know, Industrial Age. We are currently in the Information Age. We have so much information, it's ridiculous. Data is the new gold. Like, that's what, that's what the richest people in the world have, ac uh, have as their primary asset is data. I, I honestly believe, guys, that we're shifting into the AI age. Like th this chat GPT is it, it's, it's just too powerful and the tech is already out there. So there's going to be competitors, people with deep pockets. It, it is a fundamental advantage to any business that controls it. China is working on their own AI, um, you know, as we've seen in other stories, um, Google's going to have, you know, going gangbusters on this because Microsoft just invested $49 billion. I honestly believe this is the beginning of a new age just because it's too freaking powerful um, to not to not be. OK, and I know it kind of like couples on top of it sits on the shoulders of giants of the information age. But we are pivoting from information as the asset to having like AI doing stuff. I just saw a video yesterday. Now I only saw the thumbnail, so who knows, but like Buzzfeed fired all their writers and chat GPT's doing it again. That was a thumbnail. I don't know how accurate that, that claim is. I saw another, um, the guardian, I think it was the guard. Like there's another like major outlet that is using chat GPT. So guys, it's, it, it, we, we, 
it, we're, it's coming. It, you know, like, I just hope to God it doesn't turn into Skynet. Like, I hate to be, you know, like, you know, tinfoil hat guy, but, you know, it is. So <clears throat> let's actually talk about the story. Foreign states weaponizing chat GPT for malicious activity. UK believes. Guys, here's a fun fact. When they say foreign states, let's be real. The United States is absolutely using chat GPT and functionality like that to develop capabilities, right? Everybody's going to do it. That's why you're, <laughs> that's why we're a first world power guys. Cause we take advantage of the technologies and we, and we leverage it to stay in power. Chat GPT. Um, I've seen instances where you can write like a crappy, uh, email and you know, like, Oh dear, like dear friend, please send money to account, you know, like bad, bad English or whatever, but it's a b business email compromise email. You drop it in chat GPT and be like, clean this up, make it sound legit as if it's coming from a CFO in a authoritative tone. Right. And then boom, the thing cranks it out. And then you copy and paste and send that. I'd be curious, Eric Taylor, who's been dealing with business email compromises lately and other um, incident responder people in chat. If, if you've seen part of the business email compromise increase in activity correspond to better written ruses and social engineering campaigns, like what, what is the, what is the, 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 the fundamental improvement that the threat actors are doing that's leading to higher success rates of business email compromise. That's what I want to know. I'd be curious what people think. Um, yeah. Who, like, good question, Stacy, who retains all the data in chat GPT? Exactly. Dude, you have to imagine that all the queries going into chat GPT are definitely getting screened or filtered somehow. Like, like the government will definitely want to know who's typing what and have a attribution for it. You can't use chat GPT without an account, but it's wicked easy to get it an account, right? You can definitely have a, a sock puppet um, account or some type of fraudulent um some type of fraudulent email. Um, you know, I don't know if you can use something like a, a gorilla mail or something like one of these like temporary um, self detonating email addresses, but all right. Uh, let's see. Yeah. Jonathan open AI does own it, but Microsoft owns 49% of it, which I know doesn't give them majority share, but all they need is someone else with 2% and they could do a hostile takeover. Right. All right. I'm just reading chat right now. Oh, they are getting scraped. No doubt. They need bigger servers. Yep. Data is king is right. It's the new gold. All right, let's keep going. Experts warn of two flaws in popular open source software, Image Magic. These flaws can potentially lead to information disclosure or trigger a denial of service condition. Image Magic, spelt image and then M-A-G-I-C-K, is a free and open source software suite for displaying, converting, and editing raster image and vector image files. The vulnerability, labeled CVE-2022-44267, can be triggered when parsing a PNG image with a file name that is a single dash. When the software parses a PNG image, for example for resizing, the resulting image could have embedded the content of an arbitrary remote file. Okay. So two, two things here. Um, I feel like image magic had a major vulnerability like a couple years ago uh, like chat you can fact check me on that like i i, I like i like clearly remember a th like like in 2017 2018 actually let me do this fact check myself i'm, I'm like almost positive like image magic vulnerability and then 
Let me look. Let me look. No, it was like a big news story. Whatever, I'm not going to bother you on this. Hold on, let me turn my camera off for a hot second. <laughs> Hold on. Here. Mrs. Mrs. Ozier doesn't want to be on camera, so we'll go ahead and do that. Uh, so anyways, Image Magic definitely had a problem at some point back in the day. The, the key point here to take away is that you need to be mindful that you can detonate malware just on opening a file, right? Like if, if the application that's opening the file has a vulnerability in it that can be exploited by the file that's being read in, then th that's how it could happen. So you don't, you know, it's not like that you have to install a certain application, like a traditional malware application. Um, it can be done on opening stuff. Like also I've seen it before. There was a problem with uh, a Microsoft font library at one point where if, if someone just opened a document that had that font type in it, when the engine tries to render the font, um, it would actually uh, exploit and run like gel code basically. Um, so you gotta be, you gotta be mindful of that. This is an interesting, a little bit more, uh, I don't want to say no, 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 novel attack because this happens often, but just know, like, this is why when someone sends you like a wicked sus PDF or something, you shouldn't be like, oh, I'm just going to open it and look to see if it's suspicious. Like, you should open it, and I know it's a pain in the butt, but you should open it in a sandbox and detonate it there. And, and because, like, you have no idea like what if it is malware you have no idea what it's going to do sometimes it's like oh this is an iso file with an lnk that's going to push and open up and then pull down some type of bash file right like that happens but this also happens where it exploits that so oh my voice is breaking up i'm getting a little verklempt no i don't know uh it might be the the microphone i don't know we'll keep going Okay, what did Joe Belton shared some thread intel? I don't know. Let me know. Let's keep going for the for the read. And now a word from our sponsor, Hunters. Hunters is a complete SOC platform, purpose-built for your security operations team. Hunters' brand new IOC search is a game-changing search tool that determines if a known indicator of compromise has been in your organization's environment without needing to write a single line of code. Type an IOC into the search bar, hit enter, and get results within seconds. To learn more, visit hunters at hunters.ai. That's H-U-N-T-E-R-S dot A-I. What? A Chinese recon balloon is floating over the United States right now? It's over Montana? Are you serious? Hold on a second. All right, hold on, hold on, hold on. Because it is Team Live, because I'm in a limited studio, we're going to go full copyright blowout here. One second, I want to see this. Oh my god, like how good is a spy balloon if it's the size of three buses? <laughs> Dude. Someone send these guys like an OPSEC 
uh, file and explain to them how to how to be a little bit more discreet. So weird. Okay. All right. So <clears throat> I, I don't have uh, access to all my normal stuff right now. So. I just want to take a minute and say thank you all. I want to say thank you to all of you for being here this morning. Uh, Left Coast people getting up wicked early. Um, oh, Morehouse Hacks with the super chat. Thanks, Morehouse Hacks. Let's do this. Boom. Getting a little love there, Morehouse Hacks. Thank you. All right. Yeah, move along. Move along. Nothing to see here. All right, guys, I do want to um, thank all of you for being here today. You guys make the live show great. I do appreciate you uh, being supportive of the, um, the, the remote studio. I do want to give you Grayson's joke of the day. Um, oh, let's see if I can remember it. It was like... Oh, my God. What, what? Like, oh, it, oh, I can't remember it. It was basically something like, what, what kind of dinosaur is the grooviest? What kind of dinosaur is the grooviest? A dino-mite. It was something along those lines. Dino-mite was definitely the punchline, and it was definitely something to do with uh, dinosaurs. <laughs> Thank you, Grayson, for the joke of the day. Oh yeah, I forgot, I'm doing manual uh, sound effects too. Morehouse hacks. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. Looking at chat. There's a second balloon in Canada? What are these guys up to, man? <laughs> throw like a big net up there and catch it bring it down look at it I don't know I don't know guys we're at 152 people thank you so much we're gonna get the la 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 la's since we're blowing out the copyright um, copyright um, license anyways talking about this spy balloon time for some coffee Matt McDaniel you're right buddy what's up Taj We're all in. We're all in. There we go, everybody. All right, guys, let's get back in the news. Good, good, good mid roll. Good mid roll. APT groups use ransomware TTPs as cover for intelligence gathering and sabotage. State sponsored threat groups are increasingly using ransomware like attacks as cover to hide more insidious activities. Sandworm, for example, used ransomware programs to destroy data multiple times over the past six months, while North Korea's Lazarus Group used infrastructure previously associated with the ransomware group for intelligence-gathering campaigns.
Some of these activities are intended to destroy data as a sabotage operation, especially in response to countries and companies that ally themselves with Ukraine. Other APT groups use TTPs as false flag operations for cyber espionage. For example, a recent attack campaign attributed to Dian Lian ransomware group revealed that it was actually an intelligence gathering operation by North Korean state-sponsored Lazarus Group that targeted public and private research organizations from the medical research and energy sectors as well as their supply chain. Microsoft. Yeah, hey, really quick, it is 8.30. I do want to remind everybody, Neil Bridges uh, from Cyber and Security, he hasn't streamed in a while. He's been dealing with some health issues. Um, he's actually going live, or he's supposed to be going live in just a minute here. So, uh, I, you know, I'd love it if you stayed with me, but if you're going to bounce out, uh, head over to Neil's stream, give him some love, hashtag Simply Cyber. We'll make it a little bit of a raid. I'll jump over there for a few minutes uh, afterwards. I've got some personal uh, stuff going on here at my home, but... Um, definitely give him some love, man. The guy's, the guy's been going through a lot lately, so uh, holler at him. Thank you very much, uh, BSEC, for dropping that link in chat. Let's continue on. Oh, oh, uh, so re relative to this story, um, guys, I just talked about how the London, um, that London-based software company that does derivatives trading got hit by LockBit ransomware, which it probably was LockBit because LockBit's like, um, you know, YOLO all over the place because of the way that their uh, uh, criminal operation operates. But but this right here isn't surprising. And guys, I, I want to remind you, especially if you're like a newer SOC analyst and Stacey Loki, Jess Bishop, if you're, in, if you're in here, I know you guys have been sitting in the seat for a while. I, I'd be curious on your thoughts, too. But like a lot of people, when they start doing defensive work or uh, forensics or incident response, like you get that adrenaline dump when you when you find a threat actor in your environment and you start finding artifacts, pulling the strings. Right. And, you know, you want you want clarity. You want to be able to report on what you found and how you found it. And it's exciting and it's adrenaline. -y, but a lot of the times these sophisticated threat actors, they'll drop like like, you know, uh, like Russia might use uh, a little bit of code that was seen in a Pakistani malware or they'll they'll use certain like modules that are known for other things. And the entire reason is to just obfuscate where it came from and, and run false flags and red herrings. It's, it's no different than, you know, base 64, base 64 encoding a PowerShell script or running a JavaScript piece of malware through like a mixer a couple times. So it still can, you know, be evaluated by the JavaScript interpreter, but not be able to be read by an analyst, right? Or at least not easily. You'd have to like de-obfuscate, de-obfuscate, de-obfuscate. And it takes time. It's a pain in the butt. So, um, by doing this type of activity, this is no different, y'all, than than just causing false flags and, and, and researcher either misattribution or wasting their time. So be mindful of that. These are old. These are old tricks, dude. This is like this is. This is espionage 101, right? Like you definitely don't want to make it look like you were the one there. And if you if you can't. If you can't, if you cannot hide the fact that you were there in the first place, at least make it look like someone else was there, like basic 101 espionage. So this isn't new, but just be mindful of it. I feel like this isn't something that gets certainly not educated in uh, higher ed academic cybersecurity programs, not really discussed often in the news, um, these false flag ops, but they are um, quite real. And if you've worked in the blue side, you know for a fact it's quite real. George Strasberger with the with the super chat, my man. <laughs> George paying the copyright fees. Thanks so much, uh, George. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. 
Thanks, George, as always. Appreciate the support. Let's keep rolling on this. Edge is getting split-screen mode. Ooh. This new split-screen feature will let you view two websites in one window by allowing you to split tabs across the screen. It is reportedly part of the company's internal Edge project codenamed Phoenix and is currently available behind an experimental flag, Microsoft Edge Split Screen, in Edge Beta, Dev, and Canary builds. Tapping on the toolbar's new Split Tabs button will show your currently opened page on the left side and a list of all your other open tabs on the right side. Clicking on any item in this list will fill that rights panel with that selected page. Okay. Researcher... I mean, hey, as someone who's operating off like an 11-inch screen right now and having to jump around, I, for one, <laughs> welcome a split-tab single-app uh, interface. I mean, the, the one th like, this is a cool feature. Just like, guys, I don't know if you remember, like, way back in the day, when, before Firefox was called Firefox and it was just called Mozilla Browser, like... And correct me if I'm wrong, I'm like 98% positive. Like, Mozilla is the one who came up with tabbed browsing. Like, we all take tab browsing for granted now. Back in the day, you'd have to open a full second browser, um, and Mozilla introduced the tab. So, to me, this seems like a little bit of a... Um, uh, a step forward, split screen tabs. But dude, on Windows boxes right now, you can like just drag and pull up and it'll give you like different kind of layouts of um, uh, window orientation. So, you know, the, the ability to kind of maximize your uh, monitor real estate and make it look cool uh, or useful that already kind of exists, so I appreciate this, but whatever. Um, the other thing that's kind of interesting um, from an InfoSec perspective to me, they talked about their build cycles. Typically, a, a typical software dev cycle is dev environment for development, test environment for testing, and prod environment for production, which is what you and I use as end users. And you don't go from dev. It, it has to go through the pipe, right? Dev goes to test, goes to... Um, production and they talked about beta dev and canary environments so i don't you know that's like next level software dev as far as i'm concerned but whatever um that that so get get your edge here god dude this this chinese balloon story is like dominating chat today huh interesting yeah yeah revolutionary with an asterisk um lego sec exactly yeah mozilla invented the tab <laughs> this is so true this is so true um yeah google chrome has maximized like sucking uh system resources you should hear like right now my laptop it's a dell um latitude i think or it's one of the dell ones that's a little bit you know more strong for like uh commercial grade and the fan sounds like it's gonna like my my laptop's gonna lift off the desk because the fan's spinning so hard right now Use the Windows key and arrow keys to arrange your screens. Yeah. Anyways, whatever. It's a it's a feature. It's certainly not a cybersecurity story, but you know whatever. Uncover a packer that has been used by malware to evade detection for six years. A shellcode-based packer dubbed Trickgate has been successfully operating without attracting notice for over six years, while enabling threat actors to deploy a wide range of malware, including Trickbot, Emotet, Azorolt. Agent Tesla, Formbook, Cerber, Maze, and Revil over this time. Ari Olstein of Checkpoint Research said, quote, Trickgate managed to stay under the radar for years because it is transformative. It undergoes changes periodically, adding this is a master of disguises, end quote.
Offered as a service to other threat actors since at least late 2016, TrickGate helps conceal payloads behind a layer of wrapper code in an attempt to get past security solutions installed on a host. Packers can also function as encryptors by encrypting the malware as an obfuscation mechanism. British government... All right. <clears throat> okay, so a couple things here. One, this is actually... Um, to me, this is really, really interesting. So... Um, a packer that has been used for six years successfully, that's, that's alarming um, that there's been essentially six years of malicious activity with researchers being able to look at stuff and, and not have detections, not have signatures to identify this, uh, this kind of packer uh, getting malware in. So <clears throat> really quick to take a step back. If you're a security researcher, if you want to get into security research, if you're into malware analysis, <clears throat> um, a lot of times they are that like threat actors will use a packer to basically it's it's almost like a zip a zipping a file up or something like that, <clears throat> and um, it's not exactly one to one, but a packer uh, will kind of crush it down the malware, kind of m remove some of like what would look like where the system calls and stuff are like that, just to to make it hidden. So when a static analysis or when you look at it from any type of perspective, whether it's either um, a, a human analyst or a system uh, like a program or something, it doesn't look right. You have to unpack it before you can get in there. And there's plenty of like common packers. I think UPX is a common packer. Um, that's the one I remember from my, my school days. Yeah. Ultimate packer for executables. <clears throat> you should definitely, um, I'm typing in UPX Packer malware analysis, right? So this is a 2016 article. Use reverse engineering techniques to see a common uh, a malware packer works. Okay, like I'll drop this link in chat. Like it's a few years old, but it'll get the point. Like basically I'm telling you, if you're going to get into like malware analysis or, you know, be really a forensics, like a, a, a more advanced digital forensics person, you should understand what packers are like. You, you not you should you need to understand what packers are that's a fact and if you're going to go for like a malware analyst job you might you might get asked about packers so this is an article that will help you understand what it is and understand how to analyze malware that's been packed essentially all you do is unpack it and then you do your malware analysis it's it's just another layer of obfuscation that the threat actors do because they don't want you to look at their malware you know what i mean they're basically <laughs> um it's like the opposite of a, of a Chinese spy balloon in high altitude over Montana. They want to be discreet. All right. Mr. told counsel to keep quiet after ransomware attack. An unnamed British government minister told the leader of a local borough council to keep quiet about the impact of a catastrophic ransomware attack two years ago, a parliamentary committee was told on Monday. The country's Joint Committee on the National Security Strategy is holding an inquiry into whether the United Kingdom's national security strategy is effectively addressing the threats posed by ransomware. It was told that in this instance, a minister from central government told Mary Lanigan, the leader of the Borough Council, quote, whatever it is, we'll meet the cost. Although they ultimately failed to do so, costing the council itself about £7 million. The attack, attributed to the Conti Ransomware Group, occurred in January 2020. Lanigan continued, quote, we were advised to not go into a great deal of depth about what had happened. The public knew that we had been hit with a ransom attack, but not how serious it was, end quote. Remember. <clears throat> okay, a couple, couple things here. One, just can, can you please put this in your incident response playbook? Keeping quiet about um, 
a ransomware attack isn't going to work. You don't have to be like on the other end of the spectrum where you're like running a public live stream of like all of your um, all of your um, dirty laundry and business going on. But, dude, Uber tried to do this not with ransomware, but with a cyber attack. And Joseph Sullivan, the CISO, like basically uh, took the fall and he's going to jail for it. Okay, this British government minister, I don't know what um, the Cleveland and other thing is that they talked about. I'm assuming those are like counties or towns. Um, But dude, you can't just like you can't just be quiet about it. That's that's stupid. Um, Second of all, this was called ransomware. Uh, This was you know, this story is a couple years old, the ransomware attack. So Conti still existed, right? Conti has since been disbanded because of the Ukrainian Russian conflict tore them apart. But Conti was like super effective. Wizard Spider, uh, I recommend you go check out uh, Krebs on Security, Brian Krebs. He did an excellent, excellent five part analysis on the Conti leaks, which was like the internal communications between the Conti ransomware threat actor organization, and really details how sophisticated they were, just as a little teaser into how sophisticated they were they had over 100 employees they had multiple departments they had hr um they had managers they had you know weekly status meetings like they were legit um it sucks uh, that they got hit with ransomware i'm glad that the british government is holding some people accountable and trying to uh you know figure out what's going on you could always say like oh listen um it was for the you know the greater good or the protection of the innocent or whatever but like Dude, like we're all adults here. Can we just like, what's the problem? Let's address it. You know, are you doing your job? Yes or no? Like, I don't know if this had anything to do with political motivation, right? Like sometimes like, a, you know, a politician who's up for re-election doesn't want to have like a dirty, um, a, a dirty like record recently of, you know, like, oh, remember like Jerry, he totally botched the uh, ransomware incident in the Cleveland borough. Like, boo, Jerry, like, let's not re-elect him. So you know, I, I don't know what kind of politics or shenanigans are going on there, but it's not a good look. UK people, um, you know, pip pip and all that. I don't know if that's considered politically incorrect, but that's what I'm thinking of here. Um, anyways, I feel like today's stream is all about this balloon in China. I mean, this Chinese balloon over Montana. For our weekend review show later today. All right. So that's going to do it for the news. Let me just, uh, do something really quickly. I'll just do, I don't even know what this is. All right, guys. BSEC, can you drop um, Neil's uh, chat, or Neil's, can you drop Neil's Twitch in chat again, please? Guys, this has been the uh, Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. Uh, coming to you from the remote location. Hopefully you guys got value out of the stream and got a little bit of entertainment. I hope uh, all of you have a wonderful weekend. Uh, we've got some big plans here in the low country. Looking forward to that. I, I, uh, I request, or if you've got a few minutes, uh, go over to um, Neil's stream. Can someone drop a chat, link in chat, please? And um, we can do that. Andrew Nakamura, thank you so much. George Strat. Thanks again for the super chat. Definitely appreciate that. Come over to the Discord. We got big, big, uh, big weekend plans. I hope you enjoy them. You guys worked hard all week. Definitely earned a good time on Saturday and Sunday. Someone here. You know what? I'll just get the, the link myself. Hold on.
All right, here's a link to the stream. Run over there, guys, and um, let's do a uh, raid. Let's do a raid on Neil. And if you don't know what a raid is, it's basically go in there and say hashtag simply cyber. Okay, let's do it. We're going to roll out here right now. Thank you all very much. Have a wonderful weekend. You guys are the best. Until next time, stay secure.